Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. If you've listened to the last couple shows, you're hearing that I am pushing our Orthodox Jewish All-Star events. It's our fifth annual All-Star event. It's coming up on Sunday, November 5th. And if you are a listener, we would love to see you there. This is your chance to come and see and touch our work up close because most of what we do at Jew in the City is online, it's social media, it's radio. This is our once a year in-person event. Um, this is a chance to support the work that we do at Jew in the City and Project Makom. This is a chance for us to uh, set a different type of headline about the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, as you know, if you've listened before, our mission here is to break down the stereotypes about Orthodox Jews and Orthodox Judaism and the all-stars with their tremendous professional success are an incredible example of what's possible in the Orthodox Jewish community and unfortunately what goes underreported. And this topic actually is a perfect segue for today's show. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Emma Green, who is a writer over at The Atlantic. She covers religion and politics. And I'm curious to talk to someone, I'm so happy that she agreed to be on the show, to talk about uh, the orthodox depiction in traditional media. Um, are there biases? Um, if there are, what can we do about it? Are we picked on more than other groups or are there just a bunch of groups that uh, you know, reporters uh, generally go after more? Um, Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, it could be that this is, uh, you know, what I'm seeing because I am looking and I guess when um, when you're pregnant, you see everyone around you is pregnant. When you get a new car, suddenly everyone on the road has the same car as you. Um, so because my line of work that I've chosen is sort of the image uh, of Orthodox Jews in the media and in sort of public perception, I seem to notice everywhere um, that it seems to me like there's a whole lot of stories done on the Orthodox Jewish community um, compared to the number of people that are, um, the number of Orthodox Jews that exist in the world, it seems like the number of stories that are done, uh, most of which I would say generally seems to be more negative, it seems sort of uh, out of balance for the number, the size of the population. Is that something that you would agree with, or do you see it differently? Are there just all different groups covered in general? I'm not talking about your work, because I, I like your work. You seem to be actually quite nuanced and balanced. Um, but have you noticed this <laughs> trend you. that I've I picked up on? Uh, I do think that's the case, and I would say in general that certain religious minorities in the U.S. tend to get more coverage compared to other religious minorities. So if you just look at the numbers in the United States, the overwhelming majority of people in America identify as Christians. I think it's something around 70% of Americans identify as some sort of Christian, who's Catholic, Protestant, whatever. Uh, the Jewish population is somewhere hovering a little bit below 2%. The Muslim population is about 1%. The Hindu population is about 1%. There are certain minorities, and I would say Muslims and Jews are two of them, that tend to get a lot of coverage relative to that small minority percentage, and other minorities don't. Uh, and on the flip side, I would say that Christian populations tend to get a lot less coverage than their population share in the United States. Mm. When it comes to Orthodox Jews, I think there's a certain amount of fascination that can be at work. A lot of reporters are from secular backgrounds, even though they themselves may have been exposed to Jews or even may themselves be Jews. Very few of them are uh, religiously observant or even further re religiously observant to the extent of being Orthodox. 
that. And particularly when you have certain kinds of customs or traditions that feel almost foreign uh, within the Orthodox community to those groups of reporters, I think there can just be this sense that it's a sort of fascination or a curiosity to tell a story on when, in fact, the customs and traditions that are happening within those Orthodox worlds aren't so new and aren't really that weird at all. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I like you. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, <laughs> and I guess the question is, look, I grew up uh, non-observant, um, and I actually had a pretty strong bias towards the Orthodox community. And um, I think it would be fair to say that um, my life's work now is sort of correcting the, the bias that I was raised with. Um, I didn't know Orthodox Jews up close and personal. I knew them from the headlines that I saw in the papers, which are generally negative. I knew them from the uh, caricatures in TV and movies because um, almost we almost never get um, characters with any depth or anything more than the punchline, you know, that I must go speak to my Rebbe now, the super serious chassid. Um, <laughs> and my, fa- my father... And I, what actually really bothers me, it's interesting, I was at, um, YouTube invited me to um, a creator's event with other minorities. And generally, I don't know, it's sort of, I guess this is something you probably uh, have thoughts on. Are Jews a minority? We're generally not categorized in that way. But they categorize me as an Orthodox Jewish woman as a minority. And I was with, um, you know, uh, African-Americans and Hispanics and uh, one of the panelists was talking about she's so sick of seeing the sassy black woman on TV, on sitcoms. And I was like, oh, I've seen that woman. Um, and it was so bothersome to her that <laughs> sort of those same characters, caricatures keep coming up again and again. And where's the intelligent black woman, you know, with more depth and more nuance. And um, and as I, I was explaining to a Hispanic woman sitting next to me about what we do, that we want to be viewed beyond our stereotypes, she was so moved by our mission. And um, that's that's how I, I believe, I, I think that we're, you know, on the right track here because um, I think a lot of groups um, are getting that. And I guess what I would say is, do you think, um, and this sort of moves into maybe more fictional media as opposed to news coverage, so it's not exactly your space. I feel like we're doing a better job um, in uh, fictional media creating characters on TV and in movies that are different in some way. You have uh, a lot of Asperger's characters that have come out, you know, LGBT, blind, like something that kind of makes them a little different than sort of your run-of-the-mill, you know, white Christian American. Um, And then we get to see them and their struggles and their life up close, and then they become more human to us. Um, And I would, you know, argue, and I'm curious for your perspective, I don't think we've done that yet with the Orthodox Jewish character. Every time I see an episode, the couple is always super serious. They're always like touching challah or like getting Shabbos candles ready or, um, uh, you know, and any thoughts on on sort of the fictional (laughs) depiction? Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And I actually identify with what you described about sketching characters that are more complex and nuanced and themselves rather than the embodiment of certain stereotypes, not just for fictional work, but also for news reporting. Um, I do think that journalism, uh, one of the greatest things it can do is to bring that kind of texture to the way that we think about people. Uh, So this is the point of actually going out and getting to know a community or interviewing actual real people and trying to understand them for more than just their skin color or some sort of religious stereotype that they embody or some sort of cultural idiom that they carry with them and their identity. 
people are complicated and weird. And I would say that there are people who are complicated and weird who come from every kind of background. And bringing that kind of texture in news coverage is really important. Um, you know, with the Orthodox, I do think it's interesting. And I think about this often as well. There's sort of a, an analogy that maybe I'd be interested in your thoughts on with other kinds of communities that tend to be uh, pretty close-knit. So Mormons, I would say, have some analogies to the way that Orthodox Jewish communities are structured. Um, I think you could also argue that certain evangelical Christian communities uh, have analogy to this, in that uh, within those worlds where there really is this thick-knit community and also culture where people might be listening to the same types of television or radio or reading all the same news sources and not necessarily as much engaging in that mainstream culture necessarily. Uh, I do think that it can be hard or have a side effect because if those communities are all sort of consuming the same types of culture or media within their own internal spaces, it can be difficult to have an ambassador who goes outside of those boundaries and mixes things up or shares a different kind of story. And it can be also alternatively hard for reporters or for television writers to see inside of those communities as well. So I'd say Mormons and evangelical Christians, just like Orthodox Jews, are groups that end up having stereotypes painted about them, in part because mm-hmm. of those sort of close-knit communities. What do you mm-hmm. think about that? Do you think I'm uh, on the I right track I, I, I think there's a lot of similarity, and I, I, you know, I don't know the evangelical or Mormon community deeply, but based on some interactions and actually some uh, readers that we have from those communities, my sense is that those religious communities break up between moderate religious people and extremist religious people. And, you know, when I started um, this first website, now it's an organization, um, I had really only seen moderate Orthodox Jews. So I'd seen moderate modern Orthodox Jews. I'd seen moderate ultra-Orthodox Jews. I had mostly just surrounded myself with nice people and good people. And so um, it was really (laughs) upsetting to see um, sort of always the stress on the rock throwers and the, you know, I don't know, people setting things on fire, the people covering up abuse. I mean, I find those things horrifying. Now, over the years, as I've exist, we've existed on social media, I have heard from the people who grew up in the more insular and extreme parts of the Haredi and Hasidic world, and they have come to us, and we actually started um, a initiative with Inju in the city called Project Makom for people that were raised in extremist um, Haredi situations that are looking for a more moderate orthodoxy. Um, Because although Mm. I believe the narrative again and again gets repeated that everybody just wants out completely. um, And even though I've had reporters tell me from major outlets that when they did the article about Hasidim leaving the you know ultra orthodox world and finding a new community, they knew about us, but they purposely left us out, which I just find to be so outrageous um, because huh. we actually have we have hundreds of mem- we have hundreds of people that have come to our events. Um, we've established um, you know an intake process in a database, and we're really helping people. And you know what? Um, for a lot of them, they are lacking basic secular education and ability to interact with the world. And if they want that, um, and their life is not fulfilled because of that, then we want them to have that. We, we For the people that are happy where they are in the Hasidic world, um, you know, I, I don't have any, we don't have any agenda here that they need to look like us and live like us. For people where that's not working um, and they need other opportunities or they want more access to the larger world, they want to be able to, you know, do things that are actually completely permitted by Jewish law, but their community is more strict and doesn't allow it. Like, 
we feel like, why can't they have that space? So the fact that our sort of version of that is never told um, is upsetting. So I guess what I would say sort of to come back to your original question is, I think that there are similarities, but it's my hunch that you have your extremist evangelicals that, you know, want to save everyone and kind of, um, I don't know, sort of have... I mean, obviously, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, bringing people to to faith is uh, the underlying level, uh, you know, uh, religious tenet of, of being an evangelical. But I would probably say that you have your evangelicals that while that's what they're supposed to be doing, they probably struggle with it. They probably are bothered by the fact that, you know, me as a Jew uh, is uh, damned to hell um, unless I accept Jesus as my savior. Um, and this is sort of a similar parallel that I would say I had a conversation with um, a writer and producer at The Big Bang Theory. I did an interview of him a couple of years ago. And I said to him, why do you only show the Orthodox character with a long pace, you know, super serious, no personality? Where is the good looking, you know, modern or centrist Orthodox man looking at his watch and saying, I got to get home to my family for, for Shabbat. Um, and then him coming home to a beautiful family. And he said to me, that would be propaganda because if I would show that guy that I need to also show him, you know, sort of condemning people that have premarital sex and um, that are gay. And I said to him, but Eric, you know, don't you understand that for a lot of us, we live in this space where we we do Shabbat and it's meaningful and we don't go around condemning other people. Like we recognize that that's a tenet of uh, our religion, that these things might be prohibited, but we don't believe that it's up for us to tell people what to do or even judge them for what they do. We believe that our job is to live as ourselves, which is to be good people. And so I guess for me, like that's a little bit of the challenge here. I think, I don't know. What do you think about the fact that I think a lot of Jews, a lot of secular Jews uh, tend to be in more of the reporting field? And I can say, at least speak for myself, because I didn't understand the community up close, I didn't bother to, I was sure that they were judging me. Although I will say parenthetically, and some are. Um, and so it was sort of like, well, I'll judge them before they judge me sort of attitude. And so if I can catch them sort of in a, a gotcha type of moment, then that would sort of be like seeing my enemies fall. You sort of like, you know, uh, enjoyment of that. Do you think that Jews being more involved in the media might also be part of the obsession or why, you know, there's this enjoyment of kind of seeing Orthodox Jews you know, oh, you're you're not as holy and religious as uh, you claim to be underneath your yarmulke. You know, you're a low life. Right. That's an interesting question, and I would say that just in the way that, as you point out, Orthodox Jews are extremely varied in terms of their dispositions and personalities and beliefs and practices. That secular Jews or Jews who are maybe from a Reform or conservative background are also really coming from a range of backgrounds. Um, I do think it's an interesting question about Jews having a strong presence in the American media. Um, you know, there's a wonderful tradition of Jewish media outlets like The Forward um, and other uh, publications based in Israel, like Haaretz and Jerusalem Post. Um, there are newer extras like Tablet. All of these different groups have different ways of thinking about or idioms for discussing the Orthodox community. And I think it's probably true, as you say, that some people are bringing biases to those experiences, whether it's a sense that they disagree with strongly the way that certain Orthodox people live, or that, as you said, they feel insecure, they feel um, religiously illiterate, and so they want to lash out. Um, I think it could be a wide range of different things. Um, but one of the things that I was thinking about as you were describing these internal differences is how wonderful it actually is when you get to be a reporter to find out just how deep the rabbit hole goes. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is that, 
with religious groups in particular, the more that I find out, the more that I report on different communities and learn and get to know people, the more I realize how complex the universe of every different religion is. This this Mm -hmm. isn't just Jews, although Jews are fabulously complex and complicated in all of their different kinds of communities, but uh, there are just so many different layers of people who have slightly different beliefs or have slightly different, you know, stakes in the ground on theology or practice or who are doing different projects or come from different regional areas or eat different kinds of cuisine or whatever it might be. And I think it's actually the good side, the good version of reporting, is actually a process of trying to figure out and catalog all of those like wonderful different differences mm-hmm. and figuring out also within those differences how to find communities and tell people's stories as people, not just as uh, sort of characters or as, as just Jews, but as people who are Jewish and people who are human and people who have a variety of identities and experiences and thoughts. Totally. Yes. Um, <laughs> amen. Um, so the so question <laughs> is, how do we, you know, is there anything that we can do? In, in theory, I would imagine in journalism school, um, some of this is supposed to be taught to see your subjects as complex people and not um, sort of uh, one-note stereotypes. I I will open up an article I just saw today in The Hollywood Reporter. To call Hasidim insular would be an understatement. Now, um, I would agree that there is definitely insular segments within the Hasidic world. Um, and I was even asking myself earlier, because I've always sort of landed more in the modern Orthodox world, the right-wing side of the modern Orthodox world, because we divide ourselves into little bitty, bitty, bitty bits. Um, I don't actually have a sense right, right, of, right. How, of how the modern Orthodox world... I've actually heard someone once call himself centrist modern Orthodox. I was like, good God, like we, <laughs> the divisions keep going. I don't actually have a sense of how much the mo- modern Orthodox world um, numbers-wise breaks up between left-wing modern orthodox and right-wing modern orthodox. I'm generally in a right-wing modern orthodox community, so the people that I surround myself with in my neighborhood and my kids' school are generally people that are consistent with Jewish law, um, but at the same time are extremely open-minded, thinking people. Um, you're allowed to ask questions, involved with the world, higher education. For me, that feels like this is orthodoxy. Um, but then if I go to the ultra-orthodox world, the yeshivish, the Haredi, the Hasidic world, I actually don't have a sense of what percentage, I don't even have for my own community what the percentage is, even more so, I don't have a sense of how many in that community are open-minded and engaging with the world and, you know, kind of don't want to save other people, that sort of a thing, versus the people that either, you know, pick up rocks or think it's a good thing when rocks are thrown. I, I don't, and depending on who I speak to, um, if it's someone that had bad experiences with a Haredi world, They'll tell me most people are extremists. Most people believe in cheating the government. Most people believe in, you know, uh, if someone steps out of line in terms of modesty, you know, they should be, uh, you know, taken to task um, versus the people that mm-hmm. I've interacted with, with they, they wear the garb, they wear the Hasidic garb, but they're, they're pretty cool and open-minded and actually not that different than me, except for like a few, um, you know, sort of outward or, you know, traditional type of things. So to see this opening line to call Hasidim insular would be an understatement is just, it's so upsetting because that doesn't speak to all Hasidim. And um, I, I guess I wish that we could sort of come together to speak out against people that sweep abuse under the rug and to speak out against, you know, husbands that beat their wives or people that throw rocks. That should be something that all good people come together to fight extremism. But I, I'm afraid that the media 
in, in general, not all of it, because I'm not going to stereotype the media now, but um, that a lot of traditional media <laughs> has just lumped, <laughs> has just lumped, um, you know, the, the ultra-Orthodox uh, community together um, and not seeing the nuance there. So I guess the question is, is there anything to do about it? Is there anything that we as a community can do to um, to be seen not in not such a monolithic way, but to be seen um, with the nuance and the... I don't know, depth that we exist in. Um, I do have an answer, and it's a counterintuitive answer given what you've described because I can certainly understand one instinct when over and over you as an Orthodox Jew or you know, people in your community read headlines like that, you might develop a sense of mistrust of the mainstream media or a sense of just being over it, not wanting to pick up you know, whatever publication it is anymore because you don't think they're going to give you a fair shake and they don't have any interest in representing you. And I can totally understand that. But I think one way of uh, pushing back or from your perspective, uh, sort of trying to create the, the news coverage that would reflect your communities in ways that actually feel authentic is to talk to reporters. Um, be not afraid of people who work in the media. Not everybody in the media has the same project as I do necessarily in terms of wanting to draw nuanced portraits, et cetera, et cetera. But in general, I would say that reporters try, most of them try to do a good job and they try to understand. Um, I think one thing that can be hard, a reality that has a couple of different components to it, is that the learning curve is just really steep when it comes to Orthodox Judaism. It's mm -hmm. a very technical um, set of traditions and practices. Uh, it has a lot of, you know, sort of little language things, like, you know, little words that come out in Yiddish or little words that come out in Hebrew that are in the course of daily conversation that would have a secular reporter or a not-educated reporter sort of spinning, trying to understand what was going on. Um, there mm -hmm. could be a lot of complexity in trying to even make those first steps into understanding what makes someone Haredi or what makes someone Hasidic. Um, mm -hmm. So trying to be patient with reporters and guide them through and in general, you know, sort of take them at their word that they're they're trying to do a good job and understand. And um, I think doing that outreach and trying to meet reporters where they are rather than sort of condemning them and shunning them and pushing them away is one way to, to try to do that work of, of outreach and pushing back on stereotypes. So I've done that. This is like now turning into like Allison's on the couch and the uh, council me because I, this is really, you know, I have worked. On I love it. Let's do therapy. <laughs> reporter relationships for years. I'll tell you um, a couple points of frustration that happened um, probably within a few months of each other. Um, I got to the reporters. I had a, um, a reporter, a religion reporter who writes for one of the most prestigious publications in the country. Um, I told this reporter of how I didn't just become observant because at eight years old, there was a triple murder in my town. A father went crazy, killed his children and himself. And suddenly my happy, you know, privileged, secular Jewish life sort of shattered. And I wanted to hold on to something bigger than myself and deeper than myself. And I accidentally connected with a modern Orthodox teacher when I was in my teens. And instead of becoming this, you know, head shaving, uh, dozen family, you know, uh, woman with no career that was subjugated by her husband, um, I'm an Ivy League educated, uh, open-minded, you know, 
in the world person that really clings to faith and to tradition as a way to try to make some sense out of a crazy random world. And so I can pass something on meaningful to my kids. And after I did that, I actually brought my whole family along with me. So both of my parents, both of my sisters, everybody's religious. He loved this story. He went wow. to his, he went to his editor. He pitched it this way, this way, this way, this way. She wouldn't let it go through. A few months later, I met with uh, another reporter who I had seen was did good coverage of the community. Um, we met at a coffee bean in Tea Leaf, um, and I told this reporter my story. Um, and my voice is a little bit loud, my sister tells me. Maybe she's right. Everybody's just sipping their coffee. I'm just like blabbing on about my life story and how I've used social media now as a vehicle to basically challenge these uh, misperceptions. Um, a woman heard my story, listened to the, my name, so she found me on Twitter and tweeted to me afterwards. Um, I'm not Jewish, but I wanted to tell you how inspired I was at Coffee Bean today. Um, and so wow. the story, and yet the editor, no matter how many times the reporter pitched it, would not let the story go through. So I guess the question is, and now I guess we have about two minutes left until we're at the end of our show, and maybe it's not simple. If you can get to a reporter that wants to tell a story in nuance, what about the editors? Is that I'm saying are, are editors reachable? Uh, can can they can they be challenged? Can they be approached? Um, I mean, essentially, at the end of the day, they're the ones with the, the keys um, to you know this gate. Um, any thoughts on how to get through to editors? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that with particular stories, there can be all sorts of factors at work that just confound even the most well-meaning efforts, and whether that's the story budget for the month or what's happening in the news or whatever, it can just be a little bit mysterious from the outside. But I think the general principle stands that it is beneficial for newsrooms, magazines, publications everywhere, up and down their ranks to have people who not only are religiously literate, but also recognize that uh, religion stories are stories that people want to hear, they're interesting, important, and compelling. Uh, and that ultimately there is value in telling those stories. And I think you're not going to get everyone who thinks that way, and that's fine. You want a diversity of viewpoints. But I do think that uh, within the news media, we can do a better job and should do a better job of appreciating where we can tell those stories and uh, the value that those will have for our readers. Okay, excellent. Um, and I guess just one last thing, because I have about a minute left. Um, you know, the whole man bites dog is a more compelling story than dog bites man. Um, that's one of the first things I learned when I <laughs> saw that my positive stories weren't going anywhere. Well, I guess I would argue that um, showing an Orthodox Jew that's not crazy actually is more surprising than showing yet another, you know, horror story. Um, but is there, do we ever have any chance of telling positive stories if just the bad news sells better? Wow, that's such an um, existentially implicating question for the news because I do think it's right that there's this instinct that when bad stuff happens, when there's a huge hurricane that hits Houston or, you know, this big storm that goes across Florida, that the news media is all over it. But when you're talking about something that's a simpler story of, you know, an uplifting message or a positive story, it can be a harder sell. Um, mm -hmm. I think the key here is always finding the tension, always mm -hmm. finding the ways that um, interesting stories, even ones that have a positive and uplifting message, really uh, pose questions to who mm -hmm. we are and how 
uh, people like you or other Orthodox Jews are, are thinking about themselves in relationship to their communities and really um, ex- excavating them and ex- excavating the tension there, that's the key to a good story. And so it doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be a downer. It doesn't have to be about, you know, a terrible storm. But I, I do think that you have to find that, that bit that will grab people to help them understand why these stories actually really are surprising and, and are important to tell. Excellent. Emma, I thank you so much for your time today. This was really a great chat. And um, I wish you a lot of uh, continued uh, success in continuing to report in the the nuanced and uh, in-depth way that you go. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate your willingness to have me on your show. Okay, great. And uh, you can catch us same time, same place next week. And remember, you can get your Orthodox Jewish All-Star tickets on JewInTheCity.com. Bye-bye.